0: Um, So this is one I recorded a handful of weeks ago. I ran up to Bozeman to the Sitka head office and I sat down with David Brinker and John Barclow. The more I've got to know these guys, the more I really like them. Uh, David Brinker, he hunts a bunch with his traditional bow, which is so impressive to me. It's just such a high degree of difficulty to try to get that close and then try to execute your shot. Um, all with traditional, a stick and a string. So that's just amazing to me. I love talking to that guy. Um, John Barclow, he was one of the original guys that reached out to me on the podcast and, and just said how much he enjoyed it and, and how much he was learning at the information I was putting out. And, and that John Barclow... He, he's just a diehard bow hunter and, and he really pays attention to the details, you know, both with the big game design and Sitka and, and also with his hunting. Um, he's just a, a really intelligent guy to sit down and talk with and, and really, you know, he, he's a lot of brains behind the operation at Sitka, which um, I, I feel confident and comfortable that it's in his hands. He's just a great guy. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed talking to both these guys, just an authentic conversation, we talk about spring bear hunting. These guys had just got back from hunting Axis in Hawaii, and I was getting ready to leave on my trip, so we talked a lot about that, uh, talked about you know hot weather clothing, and, and we got into their 2018 line, their uh, Apex line, which I'm so impressed by, and, and this was the first time that I got to put my hands on it and touch it and feel it, but um, I'm pretty much going to be able to use this gear year-round. It's just amazing stuff. Um so yeah thanks to those guys for being on the podcast. A uh, really fun conversation. I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy it. Uh sponsor for today's show is Sitka. Um is just a, they're such a great company that just keep evolving their their technical mountaineering clothing to keep us comfortable and and, and to keep us safe in the backcountry. Um they're a sponsor for the show and I just can't tell you what that means to me to have a a big company that's so successful like Sika, you know, go out on a limb and, and sponsor another platform like a podcast and and to stand behind ours and the information we're putting out there, uh, just means the the world to me and and uh, I I just I really believe in their in their company and their gear and I, I just I don't believe there's better stuff out there. I believe they make the best. Um, I'm pretty much using. Sika gear exclusively for for everything I do, and whether that's uh, hunting the backcountry or you know I work construction outside, I end up wearing a lot of Sika gear outside. Um, I just you know I've got to be warm and comfortable to be able to work all day, and it's just the best best gear that I have, so I end up wearing a lot for that. Uh, end up wearing a lot for fishing, you know, I think they make better gear than, than these fishing companies do nowadays. Um, So, so when I'm out there and I need, you know, rain gear for the coast, or I need a insulating layer whatever it is I just know Sitka is going to fit the bill so really I'm wearing their Sitka gear dang near every day of the year now <laughs> but it's it's just uh, great clothing and, and a great company and thanks to those guys for sponsoring us on the podcast uh, we talk a little bit about their 2018 line make sure to go check it out you guys that Apex line just a an amazing hoodie I swear they built just for me that I absolutely love and uh, a really good pants and it's just a good weight for early season hunting mid season hunting and then layering underneath it for late season so um, just really good quiet stuff they made that apex line for bow hunters for stocking and not that you can't use it rifle hunting or, or for different you know like me for fishing or something like that but it is designed for bow hunters to to be quiet and stealthy um, so just a great product thanks to thanks again to sitka um, and with that, uh, yeah, over there at Eastman's, um, yeah, we're going to get together here this next week. We're going to spend a few days together, uh, me and Scott Reekers and Brandon Mason, Guy Eastman, Ike Eastman. Uh, so it should be a good time filled with a lot of laughs and get some business done and some direction for the podcast as well. So um, ought to be really good. Going to get some recordings and, and uh, have a little fun. So I'm excited to see those guys and discuss over this next year so. With that, let's get this thing rolling. So it's me and it's David Brinker, John Barklow, a couple of guys I really like. Uh, We're over at the Sitka office and uh, Eastman's Elevated. Here we go. All right, I'm over here at the Sitka office. I'm sitting down with David Brinker, and I'm, I'm sitting down with John Barklow, and uh, we've got a young man that's sitting in on us. He's going to start a podcast at his middle school, so he's listening in. But thanks a bunch, guys, for taking the time and being on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Thanks, thanks, thanks for, for coming over
1: such a gnarly day, Brian. Yeah, you,
0: <laughs> you pick these days and weeks in advance. I didn't yeah. know it was going to be the storm of the century. You know? <laughs> it's supposed to snow like a couple feet, I think. It's yeah. not
2: supposed to in mid-April,
0: right? I know. You yep.
2: yeah. can do it in the mountains. But. I feel like that's what we always tell ourselves, but the fact is it just does. Summer doesn't arrive <laughs> yeah. in Montana until July.
0: It doesn't. You get so excited in March, April, yeah. May to get out and start enjoying things, and yeah. you get some warmer weather, and then winter just settles back in <laughs> around here. Yeah. I always
2: feel sorry for the bears that come out early. They're like, dang it, I should have slept for another month. <laughs>
0: oh, I know it. Isn't that the truth? Yep. I'm hoping to find some of those early bears here. Yeah, yeah season oh, yeah.
2: starts this weekend. Uh, yeah. My uh, co-worker saw one yesterday. Did he really? Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. Huh. It's a little one, but yeah.
0: Boy, that's a good sign. I haven't seen any tracks out or anything, but I know there's some spots where they start coming out early. It kind of surprises me, like all the huge snowpack that we have this year.
2: Yeah. 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 We had the the, the bridges here had some burn off faces, so I'm... Sure, some of them just came out early, but now they're going to get two feet of snow dumped on top of them. (laughs) (laughs) They
0: are. They're going to be back in their dens here before (laughs) long, aren't they? Well, and I find early, too, that they come out and kind of feed around their dens and explore around, but they always have that den to go back into. They don't go
1: very far from there, do they? That's what I find they do early in the season. If you can find a den early season, man, post up on it and just watch. Oh, I know. Yeah. That's I always have this dream of
0: finding this snowy den up high where this giant boar is coming out of, I'm (laughs) I'm yet to find them way up high every once in a while I'll find a spot. But, um, some of the lower spots like that really steep, rocky stuff where they like to den, I've had good luck in there.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I've had most luck here. May 15th on like I hunt, I hunt, um, areas that are really thick North facing type stuff. And, And uh, I mean, just the snow, it takes forever for the snow to burn off. So I didn't Mm -hmm. waste my time going until about the middle of May. That's when it gets good.
0: Yeah. 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 And you can burn yourself out early. Like I've got some good early spots and I'll get some sightings and get really excited. Then I'll start... I'll start going back into the, the spots that are these drainages that I know are going to be good. And there isn't a track anywhere in there. <laughs> There's not a bear out anywhere. So that's the best way to go is, is to just, uh, just wait. wait, you know, until it gets good yeah. and then put all your effort out there. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so you hunt a lot of north-facing slopes? Well,
2: no, I, 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 I shouldn't have said that. I hunt the I hunt the south-facing stuff where the food is. But south of town here, it just seems like the snow comes off okay. later, you know, yep. um, than, than north of town it's just more, it's more thick country in general. So that mm-hmm. just the snow holds longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah. And um, when I noticed the later it gets in season, that green grass starts to grow in that timber too, yeah. to where then you can't count on those bears always being in that meadow yeah. grass to where then yeah. they do start exploring through the timber a little bit yeah. more. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll have a, like that beginning of May. I have a a really good window where I'll catch them feeding in those, that meadow grass. And then after that, they start to just wander around everywhere. And it gets super tough.
1: It does for
2: me anyways. Yeah. Yeah. It gets rough.
1: And when the rut starts kicking in, then, I mean, I had such a great opportunity a few years ago on the, you know, kind of like the black bear of my dreams, you know, I thought he was a grizz at first just because of his color. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then I realized he's found this jet black sow and I'm like, oh my gosh, like this is it. This is it. This is it. I almost had to run to get into position, and that that boar was following that sow. There was nothing I could do to deter him to catch. I mean, I'm I eventually just started yelling at him. You know, I'm like, <laughs> like maybe he'll get mad and run at me or something. You know, and I was like, he was just so focused, and so you're like. Uh,
0: yeah. You know, um, a lot of times they don't quit moving to give you the shot. And even with the bow this, and arrow, this, no, you'll not, get into bow range. They were not moving. And, they were and not stopping. Yeah, yeah. They just don't stop moving. And yeah. so then you get desperate and like you say, you start whistling or shouting yep. And, yep. and that rarely works either. Yeah. But. I
1: got to 80 yards and there's just no way they were, they were slowing down. So.
2: It, what's tough is, is early season. Um, it's easier to find them, you know, somewhere where they're concentrated and they actually stay somewhere, sim- somewhat similar, you know, they don't move very much. Yes. So it's easier to get them with a the bow. It's, but it's tougher to find them and then later you can like mid-may you can find them but they move more so it's hard to get in there. So a lot of times what I've done is I'll, I'll if I see them a couple nights in a row in the same area I'll just try to get over there and that you know the next evening or whatever and you just kind of hope that they're moving around in the same area but earlier if they're like focused on just a, a one patch of green that's popped up it seems like it's easier to get them with a bow. It is. Yeah. yeah. We call those, uh, repeat offenders
0: when yeah. you see them multiple <laughs> nights, you can almost count on them. And so, th- so then you go in there and you set up on that feature where yeah. you're in striking distance. Yeah. But yeah, we play that same game. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's fun. We got some fun times coming up. Oh, it's yeah. nice when winter lets loose and we can oh, get out man. and start enjoying things.
2: Yeah. I can't wait.
0: Yep. So, um, and you guys just got back from Hawaii. Look looked like you guys had a good trip there. You have fun chasing those axis deer.
2: Yeah, it was, sometimes it was fun. Sometimes it was, I, I wondered if we needed to fly in a sports psychologist. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those things, uh, they're, uh, they're switched on, aren't they? They're tough oh, to get man. close to.
2: You know, it's, it's, uh, when, you, when you get off the plane and you, start, you drive through the country and you see all the deer, you're like, man, this is just going to be like just a waylay. And what you quickly realize once you start hunting, because there's so many animals and because of the nature, of, like the, it's pretty open where we were um, – Just because there's a lot of them doesn't mean it's easy. And they're also the jumpiest animal that I've ever hunted. Mm -hmm. And the country where we were hunting is also very brushy. Mm -hmm. So there's just so many reasons and things to go wrong. Um, So actually putting it together, especially on a mature buck, ended up being really difficult. Plus, when we were there, uh, we didn't have the trade winds like um, some of the other folks we know that have gone there. Um, It was very still, four out of the five days. So... Getting close to him at all was rough, Yeah, um, let alone all the eyeballs and everything else. But, yeah, man, it was so fun. It was so fun.
1: It was, it was a ton of fun. And I've used this term, maybe I've used it a little bit too much in the last few weeks, but um, it was kind of graduate-level type hunting in the sense that, one, I, I, I take full blame. Like, I wasn't mentally prepared for the challenge that I was actually going to encounter. I mean, I knew the shooting would probably be, you know, challenging at some level. Um, But every component of the hunt, except actually finding the animals, right? So finding the animals was relatively easy. The stalking was, was, you know, really challenging, fun, but challenging. The shooting was incredibly challenging, and that's where some of the frustration would come in with, you know, literally when you're shooting, you know, 50 yards and – before the arrow gets there, you know that the animal is out of the sight picture and the arrow has nothing to hit but, you know, ground. <laughs> um, not your fault, but you start to guess, you know, are you shooting correctly? So you go to the range and make sure everything's dialed. And then once you did connect, because of the vegetation and things that we were in, um, the tracking was just crazy, crazy challenging. We, we tracked a, a, a doe I had shot. We tracked let's just say 150 yards or something like that uphill. And I thought there were three does on the hillside. When I shot this doe, obviously the shot, and then she runs off and like 20 does run and scatter everywhere. And you can't tell which one you actually shot at because the vegetation's so high. And then you start to track. Well, anyways, we lost her. Um, there were four of us looking and then the guide comes to pick us up and he's like, Oh, show me, you know? And so he starts wandering new fresh set of eyeballs. Picks it up, probably follow another, say, 100 yards, and so maybe 250 yards now, something like that. And uh, we're standing there talking, and he looks down, and she's in the bush right next to us. And like <laughs> Three feet away. And it was, like, so tight in there. I'm not the smallest guy, but I couldn't crawl in there to get her out if I had to. And I'm like, <laughs> this is insane stuff, but super, super it's like so a labyrinth of tunnels super challenging mm-hmm. and fun you know and i think all the islands are just have offer a little bit different experience but i mean i'd recommend it to anybody um and the meat's incredible right so mm-hmm. it definitely is worth worth the reward but um yeah it was a lot of fun though God. and and especially in in april i mean mm-hmm. or march we went in march march yeah, yeah. especially in march yeah. well, let's go to hawaii and hunt in march it's mm-hmm. awesome
0: <laughs> oh, I had so much fun over there. Yeah, I'm going to go back in June again and hunt, and then I'm I'm going to add mouflon sheep this year uh, out on Lanai there, so I'm really excited for that. Are you guys be boating over? going
2: to fly? Boating. Yeah.
0: Yep. Nice. Yeah, my, my one buddy has a boat we're running over. I don't know what I'm getting myself into <laughs> yet. <laughs> it's always an
1: adventure, so oh, yeah.
0: I'm sure it'll be fine. But, yeah, we're going to take a boat over from Maui over there. I guess it's about 20 minutes or so.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, the terrain I saw, and then David went and hunted mouflon for a day it's a legit sheep hunt Mm -hmm. i mean that that's no that that terrain is is severe it was
2: severe and you did
0: it for one day over there uh, yeah we
2: just it was really only a few hours we just i just wanted to see the country more than Mm -hmm. anything because the trip was about axis deer and so the and the one morning we were the the low country was pretty fogged in and the guide's like let's run up and see if we can see a a mouflon i'm like heck yeah Mm -hmm. so we went up there and yeah, it was, I've hunted, so I've hunted that Nepali trail in Kauai, okay. uh, which was some of the more severe country I've ever seen anywhere, you know, just sh- sh- sheer cliffs, and um, this was very similar. There are some benches on top ma- of on, on the, the knife ridges where the, all the animals come up and feed, and then they kind of disperse off into the sheer cliffs during the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. So at daylight, animals were in, like, approachable country. In fact, we got 10 or 15 yards from from some ewes oh wow um but as the sun came up <laughs> the sheep went out on these cliffs that i mean i mean maybe I, I guess maybe you guys are mountain men I, I don't know there's no way no, no i wouldn't even go out there and try it yeah. some of those spots yeah. i guess some people would um but it was it's i mean straight up and down cliffs so yeah
0: I thought that before my goat hunt, that I can go anywhere a goat can go. <laughs> I cannot. Yeah. There is no way. You yeah. know, those things just live and play on slopes that I can't get down with ropes. I think
2: if I spent enough time in there, though, if a guy spent enough time in there, you could certainly figure out the spots you could approach him. Yep. And there was so many sheep. It wouldn't take long. You could be successful. There wasn't a lot of trophy rams um, in the country we were in for mm-hmm. some for some reason, but there was a lot of sheep. Um, so I'd probably, if I, if I was there long enough, just – you just try to kill them on those benches in the morning and the evening, and then maybe just wait for the, a safe one to go out, out on the <laughs> cliffs later. That, the that's what I need is a safe <laughs> one, <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, it'll be fun to try it. Yeah.
0: Um, the cool thing is, is you guys um, have evolved your gear to where now we can do these hot weather hunts. Like, I love your guys's guys' like, ascent line that you guys came out with, and then I swear that lightweight hoodie was built just for me, but that's what I used on Maui there. It worked good. Did you guys, uh, it worked good for you guys in the warm weather?
2: <sighs> it was perfect.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was perfect. And and that lightweight hoodie has been um, hugely popular for us. Mm -hmm. Um, The the integration of the face mask and all that's been a really good, really good addition. Um, The whole scent line, really, you know, we were were talking a little offline, but, you know, we just realized, you know, we know our consumers value durability and they value performance. And it's it's easier to do that in garments that are designed for, you know, mid to late season hunting just because – they tend to run a little heavier, you know, and the textiles are easier to find or, or create. And then kind of formulating what we were going to do with the ascent line, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a real balancing act to find things that are durable but still lightweight, breathable, dry quickly, you know, provide that performance. And so, you know, you have to give to get. And so we had to give up a little durability to get the lightweight but I still feel like, you know, I feel like we have the lightest, most durable hunting pant on the market right now in the Ascent pant. Um, and so we tried to, you know, strike that balance. And uh, it, it's been, it's been a, really, a, really good, a really good thing for us. I mean, I, I personally enjoy it. You know, I was out there running around Hawaii. Um, you know, I'd, I'd alternate, but, you know, I was definitely wearing the Ascent shirt quite a bit, and I'd love that I could flip that collar up and keep the sun off my neck when the sun was beating down in the middle of the day, I would run the uh, the Sitka Sun Hat, you know, that the floppy we have, and so I find I'm actually wearing those clothes more throughout the year than I am some of the the, the mid and late season products. Well, I think had. it's easy,
2: like people's mind always goes to cold weather when you when you think about hunting for some reason. My we, our minds do the same thing, but in a bow hunter's sort of year a year in the journey of a bow hunter a lot of the time you spend is in the warmer weather you know starting whatever you know it depends on where your state you're in but like in montana august 15th we're hunting antelope mm-hmm. right and you know the the bow season starts waning down in, in october but you know midday it's it's warm and even in the morning most of the time it's not that cold so i always kind of plan for the warmer part of the day and so i can you know once i once i delay i'm not overheating when i'm running mm-hmm. around chasing bulls or whatever so the ascent when John and, and the team created the ascent line last year, and we had stuff that worked pretty well, but it certainly optimized the system and and helped that early season bow hunter a lot, and in, in our opinion, and for sure, and uh, that yeah that that lightweight hoodie in Hawaii with that. With that with that hood and the mesh mass was so key, man.
0: That well, protection from the elements, yeah. too. And yeah, yeah us um, bow hunters, and you guys are, are both bow hunters, but yeah, we hunt a lot of these early seasons, like yeah. you say, that August 15th antelope yeah. opener, and then you know, all these, these early high country mule deer hunts yeah. are all in that hot weather. Like yeah, you may absolutely. have a, a hoodie or a fleece that you throw over in the morning or in the evening, yeah. but pretty much all day long, you're wear, wearing that lightweight hoodie yeah. and, and protection from that sun is so important. Like in Hawaii, if you leave exposed skin, you're going to be hunting sunburn pretty quick, yeah. you know, yeah. and same thing when you're hunting 13,000 feet in Colorado, like being able to cover that back of your neck or your face up to not get that intense sun. And also just those little thumb loops like the well you can see my hands now how they're just colored brown you know yeah. just from being outside the little bit in the spring that we've had but I've sunburned the back of my hands before so that loop yeah. being able to cover the tops of my hands yeah. too is so important but Absolutely. but yeah it is it is uh, certainly optimized the this <laughs> um warm weather hunting yeah. coos deer yeah. you know late I'm yeah. hunting in hot weather Hawaii right antelope early yeah. mule deer early and even then, that
1: first part of elk season that's what I was yeah. going to well, especially yeah. if you're in the yeah. southwest, like from Utah south, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's warm. It's yeah. definitely warm.
0: Well, even here, we we usually get a snowstorm in September, but we also get a week of that really hot weather uh, that yeah. you're trying to hunt, too, during the middle yeah. of the day. Yeah.
2: last wasn't last year when it was like 90 one week and then got a foot of snow the next week right in the middle of elk season. <laughs> that sounds about made it right. It for, made it for pretty challenging conditions. Yeah, it was, it was a crazy elk season for sure.
0: <laughs> yes. And, um, yeah, so that uh, so that you guys have some new stuff coming out in this 2018 line.
1: Yeah, so, you know, David and I, we sat down, we kind of, kind of wrote out this five-year plan which you know is ever evolving and what so 2018 is actually year two Mm -hmm. i gotta be careful because 2019's done so i don't want to talk about that um but once we got the the kind of warm weather stuff hot weather stuff done you know we thought that was the number one priority but right under that was you know how do we how do we go about making our garments quieter for the big game hunter again it's easy to make things durable, but when you say, okay, I want to make them durable and I want to make them quiet, now you start to, to get into that give and get situation again. And so um, what we came out with, and, and, and it's on the website, but it won't be available until around the 23rd of April. The purchase is uh, what we're calling the new Apex series, is um, an Apex Predator. And so it's a, a hoodie, um, a pant, and then a, a pack. And some really unique features. It's very, I would say, it's not overly featured, but it's feature-specific to the Spot and Stock Hunter. So, mm-hmm. quiet was the number one thing. Um, two brand-new fabrics in the, in the hoodie and the pant. Um, the body of the Apex hoodie has a, a midweight nylon face wool back, so we'll call it a wool blend, merino mm-hmm. wool. Um, super fine, you know, 19-and-a-half uh, or 17 and a half micron, but the wool, the, the nylon provides durability on the face, but you get all the great natural antimicrobial, anti stink, warm and moist kind of features of the wool, the quietness. And then we overlaid the shoulders and the arms with a proprietary textile we developed. It's a four way stretch polyester. Um, and it's, you'll see, it's got a, a light, like open grid back to it. Um, but we went and patterned in, um, removable elbow pads and, you know, in the military, they've had elbow pads and garments. And so I was familiar with them, but I really didn't realize until I started testing some protos that, and maybe the last two elk seasons have been a little bit different, but elk and mule deer, I've been crawling a lot. And you imagine, you know, you're crawling in, crawling in, and you're always trying to look at, you know, the cows and all that. And you get pinned down and you're like, stop, don't move. And inevitably my elbows always end up on like the sharp rocks, Right. And so I was like, I think we should do something about this. And so we got removable elbow pads now. Super cool. Oh, I'm holding Um, this
0: thing right now. This thing is wild. So the shoulders, a different material that you're talking about, is that more of a waterproof material sitting on the shoulders? So it's got a
1: DWR on the polyester on the shoulders. And it's actually going to be just a little bit more durable than than that wool. Oh, I see. It, it just is. And so I wanted to make sure that pack straps and, you know, crawling that it was just a little more durable, more durable. on the forearms yeah, and the sense. shoulders. Okay. You know, the face mask for concealment, the deep center chest zip. But then if you open up the kind of the kangaroo pocket, Brian, oh, on, yeah, the, I got on you. the chest, so it's low enough that you can run your binos. It's high enough though that your pack straps not to interfere. But internally it's not just a big open pocket there's two separate mesh interior pockets. So if I throw diaphragm calls in there or a wind check or my range finder, whatever else, it's not a bunch of stuff just rattling around in a big pocket. I really wanted to try to, 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 to spec this out, like to give people options, but to make sure that we tried to take every bit of noise out of it we could. Um, and so then the pants, what we did is we took the same polyester, put that in the pants. It's a really you know nice stretch. I was telling you earlier we had guys that were field testing it for us that in a solid color, it would have been two summers ago or I forget, but but the, you know, they were going on trail runs and stuff in it. But when you look at the pant, you're like, uh, oh, it's you know, it's pretty low key pant. But when you actually start to look at it, the cargo pockets on the side are really low profile. I wanted to prevent a lot of snag hazards when we're like trying to slip through brush and under limbs. Internally in the cargo pocket is yet another Interior mesh pocket that's perfect for like GPS or uh, range finder. So again, I can put it in there with a couple other contents, and they're not just rattling around. But then we went ahead and tapered the legs. So how many times have we been on on a stock, and it's like, okay, I need to stop, take my footwear off, tuck my socks around my pant legs, and move in the last 100, 200 yards. I didn't want a ton of material that's swooshing. I want a ton of material. I had to stick in my socks. So you know, we went we went to those kind of levels um, to provide you know, a quiet feature rich, um, system for the, for the stocking hunter. And then we can talk about the pack here in a minute, but, um, I didn't bring this is wild, no, you funny. guys.
0: I thought I had everything I needed. No, you're kidding me. Uh, this Apex hoodie, um, these elbow pads in it are so thin and lightweight yeah, on there. Yeah, so but it
1: doesn't help. It doesn't, doesn't hurt your draw cycle or anything. No,
0: and, well, and I, I've had bloody elbows nonstop yeah, so you know. for trying yeah. to stock in. Yeah, uh, that later mid-season mule deer, elk, like you're saying. Yep. Yeah, constantly. Yep. Yep. But yep. that won't bother me a bit. It's going to add to the garment. Yeah, there. and you can
2: even put them in your pack until you get into that situation. Yeah,
0: because yeah, before you know give people okay. options yeah. and
1: make them removable if they don't want yeah. them. But... And I
2: love the weight
0: of the garment, too. So it's like in between the lightweight and the heavyweight, and it's the yeah. merino wool. Yeah, so but... that's
1: the only place we're running this merino wool this year. It's at 230 gram, and the whole thing is cut just a little loose. So, mm-hmm. you know, like last, let's see, last, I was up in Alberta same month you were, October yeah, last, last October, year. October, yeah. And it's windy, right? Well, I wanted the quietness and concealment of the Apex hoodie, but I needed some wind protection. So I put a mountain vest on over top of my base layer Mm -hmm. and then put the Apex hoodie over top. So I had wind protection to my core, the Apex hoodie on the outside. So I wanted to make sure that you could layer a little bit with it, Mm -hmm. deep, you know, deep uh, cut in the back. So if you wanted to leave it out or tuck it in, you know, you had that option. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we tried to think of everything. I'm sure there's some things we might not have, but yeah, it's... It's it's absolutely become my favorite piece at Apex Hoodie, you know, no, no doubt.
0: <laughs> I can see why. It's yeah. going to become mine real fast, yeah. I think, too. I don't <laughs> know if you guys are getting this back from me, but no, this is um, this is a great piece of gear. Like out of, you know, say if you were to hunt 100 days a year, you'd probably wear this 90 of them. Yeah. You know, and it's going to yeah. be perfect for uh, spot and stalking, yeah. too. For yeah. mule deer or, you know, a lot of us are stalking elk right. nowadays absolutely, or at least yeah. moving with the herd. Yeah. But yeah. this is going to be perfect for stalking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, gosh, this is really cool. Yeah, I got to check out the pants too. Gosh, these seem lightweight too and they're, really breathable. Yeah. Crazy this is a great
1: weight. Yeah, and so you know, people ask. You know, the few people that have that have got to wear them so far, and so they're they're a little heavier than an ascent pant, but they're not as heavy as a mountain pant. And even though it's got like a you know a little bit of a, a check uh, micro fleece backer on it yep. to provide you know just a little bit of warmth. The other thing it does is it lets that fabric, the face textile, sit above your skin, Mm -hmm. promotes great airflow. So these things are actually really breathable. Um, Again, DWR on the pants. So, you know, removable knee pads, the whole thing. So if I had one pant to hunt with the entire season, I think this would be my pick. Yeah, I I think that's going to be a lot of people's choice. I really do. Yes. yeah su- super stoked on how the whole thing came out and you know I've been fortunate I've got well counting Hawaii now I mean I've got a full year of hunting in my apex system and uh you know didn't been doing a lot of crawling and you know it's it the the pants holding up really well it's it's really good and so but you know you know we don't like to just stop there so we I wanted to make sure we had a pack to kind of pair with the system mm-hmm and so what you find with the apex pack is it's an 1800 cubic inch pack so you know relatively small but a good day pack Mm -hmm. um to make sure we prevented any kind of squeaking we took the frame out so there's no frame but there's enough uh foam laminated into the back that provides uh you know the the cushioning that that's enough of of a frame you need it's got some really unique features out uh, exterior stuff pocket, three three compression straps on the back that you can take off or fold away if you don't want them. But you'll notice that the pack sits off your shoulders. There's no top carrying handle because, you know, I'm 6'1", and if I'm crawling or ducking under brush, like, especially when I'm trying to be quiet, like, I don't want things snagging and pulling on branches. And then we got this body-hugging uh, waist belt that kind of wraps around the, the user, right? So I wanted it to be, like, I wanted it to almost be an intimate connection between the, the hunter and the pack, mm-hmm. but lots of pockets in the waist belt. There's actually three pockets, um, perfect for, you know, range finders and, and wind checks and calls and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of right there. Um, there's actually a unique system. It's, it's, it's something I, I'm always doctoring my stuff, but just the way we slanted the side pockets and reinforced the, the side compression strap, I can carry my bugle tube on either side. And I can just reach back, lift the bugle tube up and out of the pocket, bugle, and then not even look. And I can slide it back up under the compression strap and back down into the side pocket. So I'm trying to add efficiency, right? Because how many, like he and I hunt, and you know, he's got a bugle tube hanging around his neck. And, you know, of course that makes noise. And so anyways, and then the last thing we did was we've all been in the situation as bow hunters where, you know, your buddy's calling or you're stalking in, whatever the case may be, and the animal's got you pegged. And you're in this stare down holding, you know, an eight pound bow in your hand that could be from 30 seconds to 15 minutes. You got an arrow knocked and you are just kind of waiting for him to turn or present or whatever. And at a certain point, like, okay, here's your potential one shot of the year. And my doggone bow arms tired because I've been holding this thing for 15 minutes. I'm trying to like lean it against my knee. So the apex pack has uh, what we're calling cam cables on each side and they're, they're retracted. They've got a little tab and, you know, all you need to do is reach down. You don't even need to look, reach down, deploy the cam cable. It's a cable that pulls out in a loop and I can just drop the cam of my bow in there. And now that cam cable is supporting the weight of the bow and I can sit there without shaking or burning a bunch of energy. And when that shot does present itself,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I draw back real nice and smooth and, and, and shoot. And then when it's done, I can retract that cable and go about my day and recover the bowl or whatever, whatever the case may be. So how cool you guys tried to build
0: the perfect day hunting pack, or a short to. extent yeah. hunting pack. Yep. Yeah. Huh. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're not, awesome. you're not going to carry meat out with it, but uh-huh. you know, if you're, if, if silence and stealth is, mm-hmm. is kind of your deal, you're not, probably going to be carrying a big pack with you, you know? well you might not I, yeah. <laughs> there may be some guys that are packing meat out of that thing
0: how cool can i see that thing that the, the yeah. pack there so is this, that is, the this one? is
2: a different one Nope. Oh, okay this is the mountain hauler 6200 oh pounds. wow so that okay. is the, the meat multi-day
0: use yeah. this is okay. what you do haul yeah. the meat in okay how cool is that new yeah. for this year
1: so the mountain so yeah, yeah so for 2018 uh we've gone ahead it's been two years in the works we've gone ahead and, and reset the pack program, or began to reset the pack program for big game. Uh-huh. Um, you know, truth be told, we had we had good packs, but I, I knew we could do better, mm-hmm. and um, I, I wanted I want to be able to compete with the companies that that's all they do is packs. Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyways, with a lot of hard work and some new partners, we were able to to start. I decided to start with what I'll call the flagship model. So it's sixty two hundred cubic inches. Um, Really, it's it's a little bit different um, than some other stuff on the market, but you know, for those multi-day load hauling oh, type yeah. packs, if you're oh, carrying oh. a bull out, you got 150 pounds in there.
0: I got David's uh, court <laughs> snag got one You know, of his this is this <laughs> is kind of this, the, this is
1: kind of the pack. But again, right? um, it, I love the weight of it, you guys. We'll have a bunch of uh, you know, we'll have a bunch of content rolling out over the next couple of months. But but really, the the whole kind of to boil it down, it was simple, intuitive and functional. I wanted the pack to be uh, simple to use, functional to use in all conditions and um, you know and just and just help that kind of speak to the hunter. So for instance, just to give you some examples, we put what we call antler straps on our pack. So you know you load up meat, you got to camp, now you got to get the, the head or the hide out. Well, now you're breaking out the 550 cord, you're cutting shoelaces, you know, whatever the case may be. We've given you two 60-inch long uh, antler straps, and they're specifically designed to tie hides and heads directly to the pack. So we've, we've solved that for you. Mm-hmm. Um, everything you need to deploy uh, upon a kill is Sitka Orange. So all you need to do is remember Sitka Orange straps, go to Sitka Orange straps sick of orange buckles right I mean it's all kind of intuitive in that in that regard because you know it's dark we're tired you know it's snowing we're in grizzly bear country you know on and on and on it's like you know that's not the time that I want to break out my engineering degree and try to figure out you know (laughs) some of the packs anyways and so I wanted to make sure things were simple intuitive and functional and um, I I think we've achieved that I'm really stoked uh, about the mountain hauler 6200 so that'll be the first of of several packs that we begin to roll out over the next couple of years. Um, the apex obviously is the other one, but, Uh but, uh, yeah. Cool. You guys, it's so innovative. Um, You guys are just always evolving
0: your brand and evolving your gear. Every time I come, you guys uh, have something new that I need to have. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, how cool. And and you've just, um, when you address these problems or when you talk about your products, you're addressing problems that guys like me are having. They're designed by hunters. Guys like us have them, too. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah, designed by hunters for hunters. It's just wild, you guys. Yeah, Yeah, this is amazing. Good for you guys. Yeah, some incredible products hitting the market.
1: It's fun to be able to solve our own problems. Yeah, I mean it's it's it sounds goofy but really in some regards it's like it's almost a dream come true, right? Mm-hmm. For a guy like me, I, I can go down and I have this team, we can just we sit around and talk about these things and then we have these talented folks that you know, designers and stuff and it's like, hey, help us figure this out. And uh, we've been really fortunate to be able to have people figure out designs for us and you know, kind of bring these I like to say bring the ideas to life. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, hey, I got this idea for for an Apex pan. It needs to be quiet, it needs to do this. And, and they build a textile for me and I'm like, yeah, that's what I need. It's mm-hmm. so cool. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Are yeah. you
0: able to think about the hunt while you're hunting or are you always thinking about the next piece of gear? Well, you know,
1: it's funny <laughs> and I won't tell you what I was thinking about because it's something I'm thinking about for 2020. I'm trying to reset the world again, but uh, you know, I was told him, I was like, you know, it's so valuable for all of us, but you know, somebody like me that I can't take my mind off the product you know five days on lanai for instance and i'm i'm crawling around and i'm I, I kept thinking about this one particular thing and i'm like i know we can do better i know we can do better i know the wor- the world needs better and uh you know and you immerse yourself in that and mm-hmm. i can think about the hunt but sometimes when it's painful when you're crawling 300 yards and you got rocks and cactus i'm like i'm thinking about product mm-hmm. i'm like trying to solve problems i'm like you know. He doesn't stop thinking about it. <laughs> well, it's um, well, it's different, too. Like, uh, you can
0: think about being on the hunt, but you're right. It's totally different when you're there and in you it. Have like, I can to immerse yourself. I have to hunt. immerse myself I, in it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I did this podcast about coos deer and hunting Arizona. I've hunted there multiple times. But then you get down there in real time when you're there, and you kind of forget a lot of the stuff that you deal with down there on the <laughs> yeah. hunt. Or, so, I'm sure it's that way with clothing, too, is yeah, you and get got, out and yeah. in the field. And if you and, don't
1: write it down in the field... If you don't document it, you just forget it. Well, I was going to say, I always carry a pencil and a and a pad of wet notes, mm-hmm. you know, a wet note pad, and, and it's just constantly jotting them down, jotting them yeah. down, jotting them down. And I actually have to put it, you know, next to me when I'm sleeping on trips like that because I'll wake up in the middle of the night and I won't be able to get back to sleep unless I write something down. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, some of it actually turns into product and some doesn't, but...
0: It's a good way. It's a good tip for life, isn't it? Writing it is. down those ideas, those brainstorming ideas that come to you. If you don't write them down, I'll be thinking a day later, what was that idea I had that <laughs> yeah. was groundbreaking a day ago? Yeah. Or like even waking up in the middle of the yeah. night, you'll have this idea or this thought or, you know, I'll have an idea for a podcast. But if I don't write it down, it's gone. Yeah. I, I, you know. I, yeah.
2: I, and you have to fight the urge. No, I'll go back to sleep. I'll for sure remember it. Yes. You're, don't. Yeah. No, Stand no that up work. Go write it down.
1: Well, and, you know, I don't. I certainly don't want it to come off like you know they're not all my ideas. But you know, I have conversations. I, you know, we have conversations with so many great people in the industry and just different friends. You know, you had Cole on, and he's always you know calling me and we're chatting. And so you know, but I I jot I jot all the ideas down. You know, and then sometimes I got them. I call them you know kind of knock around in my head, and it's uh, yeah, a good idea, but I don't know how we could do it, or that's a good idea, but I don't know when we could do it, or you know you know uh, how, that's a great cool thing but how does that integrate into a product somehow and then you know eventually some some of the stuff will see the light of day you know some won't it might take years to see some of the other stuff but there's no shortage of ideas that we have in this building for for great hunting product. I yep. I can tell you that.
0: Well, I think that's the next step is being able to organize and orchestrate all those ideas and thoughts and notes you have. That's the problem too, is I'll write it down and then, you know, I don't have a good filing cabinet. So I've got to, <laughs> I've got to look back and try to find where I wrote down that, that great idea I had, mm-hmm. you
2: know, but. these guys have a pretty amazing process on how they do it. Do they? Oh yeah. 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 I'd say it's, it's pretty well refined and, and, uh, it's pretty amazing to watch. You know, I, I'm not a, I mean, I'm a product person, but I'm, I'm more on the marketing side of the brand, but I have product ideas just because I hunt so much mm-hmm. and, uh, I'll bring back, I went mule deer hunting last August and I tried, usually I'll try to, since it's not my specific job, I don't always carry a pad or anything, but that specific trip, I'm like, I'm just going to try every day documenting ideas I have or problems I have, and I'm going to bring them back to Barclow. And I'm always super nervous because Barclow is so good at product and you know, I'm, <laughs> like i said i've been I've been around the brand for ten years. It's not like I'm bad at product, but that's not my full time job you know so and I brought it back um uh that next week and it, it was it was a page or a half page of stuff you know and i and I was actually like really pleasantly surprised at how receptive Barklow is to it, and then also you know not everything you say is is going to come to fruition because more than likely most everything that he hears he's already heard, mm-hmm. but every once in a while you know, like one out of 10 things or one out of 20 things. You can hear, see him perk up. And then, you know, a few, I'll forget about it. And a few months later, it's like, dude, check this out. You know, I'll go downstairs. He's got a prototype with some idea or whatever that we
1: may have talked about. Those suggestions made it directly into the next proto. Yeah. yeah. And and so so it's amazing. And that, that,
2: that is the cool thing about having an office full of hunters that are constantly thinking about this stuff, Mm -hmm. not just from ourselves, obviously. Um, but all the exposure we have to people like you and, um, all, every, a lot of things make it back here that that um, that I don't I don't know if people people realize how appreciative we are to feedback and um, we're always listening to what the consumers are saying. Yeah,
1: we never try to. I, I hope we never come off as arrogant or, or try to shut people off. I mean, I, I like to say, you know, I I can get the next great idea from anybody or anywhere, and and quite frankly you know, one of the things I challenge myself is to look outside the hunting industry to find motivations because mm-hmm. it's not always within the hunting industry, right? I mean, the reality is, you know, hiking around in the mountains is not necessarily, you know, just a hunting specific thing. So you could look to the hiking community and the and the through hiking community and the mountaineering community and all these other communities and see what they're doing and, and you know, kind of get some insight and, and some motivation. I have a notepad. I I do a lot of my own uh, bulwark you know mm-hmm. like like you do and so I have notepad there that I take notes on but I that's where I normally listen to a lot of my podcasts and I have a note there specifically because you know I listen to you and some of your guests and some other podcasts and something just sparks in my mind I'm like I gotta write that down like that I gotta I gotta research this or I gotta you know I gotta look into that and then you bring it back to the team and sometimes you know we always like to joke and laugh at each other but you know sometimes that stuff sticks you know mm-hmm. I say you throw enough enough you know spitballs at the wall there's a couple that are gonna <laughs> stick and and uh yeah so anyways
0: part of the reason you guys are so successful is being able to you know to take feedback and and uh being able to look outside the box of the hunting community and and trying to come up and solve problems that that nobody's addressed before well
2: and 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 also um what's what i've always found fascinating is is a lot of the problems that we have as hunters because we've had them for so long we don't even realize we have them Mm -hmm. and so we'll Barclay or the team or something will come up and say something you'll be like you're right that does suck <laughs> i just i've just accepted that it sucks and you're like that should be solved you know and every every time we go out we're thinking of those things but it's amazing how much we just we just i guess just tune it out because for so long it sucked and yeah. you just you just whatever like you said stalking with your or you know uh stalking on on your elbows you know my, you said i've had bloody elbows so many times yeah. it's like why don't you just stop and be like why do I have a bloody elbow right now? <laughs> yeah, that's <You> what, <laughs> that's what I picked up on on the first forty minutes of
0: our conversation. Yeah. Is addressing these ideas are all things that I've dealt with that I've just accepted. Yeah, and, and you guys are solving those problems. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's like the so we have uh, another not not to pimp all the new stuff, but um, but we have a bow sling coming out. It's called the Sika Bow Sling. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen that, but you know I've used bow slings for years, and especially living in Alaska, you know, really harsh weather and stuff like that, like. When you're hiking up through alder and brush, like if you didn't have a bow sling, like you're gonna damage your string right mm-hmm. and, or you'd you know move your, your move your peep or if you weren't covering up your your veins, I would lose arrows I'd get have you know veins pulled off mm-hmm. or you're breaking pins on your sight and so you know I was like, well, there's bow slings out there, but they're not none of them are made of technical fabrics, so they're they're normally cotton or something like that. They get wet, they stay wet, and then I got this nasty thing you know, and it freezes at night or whatever. And then nobody had actually incorporated, you know, into the system to cover all the things that I talked about. Like, yeah, they make something to cover your sight. Yeah, they make something to cover your veins. Yeah, they make something to cover your string. And so, the sick of that that we have now, it's technical fabrics. So it's it's you know really nice nylon. Um, It's it's printed. Um, and it's got it's super versatile so if you want the sling actually on there you can have the sling if you want to remove it you can remove it really nice padded limb pockets or cam pockets Um, there's a pocket for the for the sight if you don't want to use it you can tuck it away if you don't want to carry it you can remove it same with the the coverings for the veins and so it's just like this is this is the bow sling I've always wanted and uh, the reception has been tremendous you know and it's going to be three camel patterns to give people options but it's like something simple like that, and I looked through my my gear, and I must have had, I won't mention any, you know, any brands, because they were all good, but I was like, I've got like four bow slings, and I won't use any of them anymore for various different reasons. I'm like, I'm going to build a bow sling that, you know, that that solves the problem I have, because mm-hmm. I'm guessing other people have that problem. Oh, so, yeah. How Super, great is super that. stoked, and yeah. you know, you look at it as kind of a, 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 a quote, simple project, certainly, mm-hmm. compared to the mountain hauler, but... But it gets people jacked. I mean, I'm excited, you know. I'm excited you talking about it. So I haven't used a bow sling, but yeah, for us compound
0: guys, and and David, you know, he uses his uh, traditional bow quite a bit, so uh, not the same needs as we do. But those compound bows, they get heavy packing those things they get around, heavy and... you know. And everybody with a gun has a sling on it, so you can throw it over your shoulder. Right. But that bow, you're just stuck hauling that thing around nonstop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, to be able to have a a bow sling that then protects everything, and yeah, in that brushy country, like uh, even here in Montana trying to hunt high country mule deer in our northwest part of the state up there oh yeah um i've left a bunch of arrows on the trail exactly. up there that that willow brush just grabs my arrows pulls and pulls them right out, them out of out my boat yeah.
1: yeah absolutely yeah
2: yeah i didn't realize how spoiled i was with my with my recurve until this year i hunted with a compound for the first time for, uh, a few times and man i started carrying that thing i'm like what is this
1: boat anchor I'm carrying
2: <laughs> god
1: yeah but you are crazy enough so you want to talk about a sports psychologist Right? Okay, Lanai was hard enough to hunt axis deer with a compound. He's pulling his recurve out, like just for a day. I'm like, yeah, and it wasn't too fruitful. I'm glad in my life didn't. Yeah, but I give you all the I give you all the credit (laughs) in the world. I I do too. I mean, I, you might as well have gone out there with the slingshot. I mean, <laughs> and I don't know. Were you out there on the on the day it was windy, or were you on a you were on a calm day? I it mean, was you a calm. Had to get to twenty yards. It was if, a
2: calm day, and I did get to twenty. I, I got to actually twelve yards of one buck, wow. but I, um, I that's that's a feat. I'm yeah, telling you, with yeah. no wind. But uh, I did. Sh- I I only let one arrow go <laughs> that evening. Actually, I, I think I only took it out for one evening. It was, mm-hmm. and uh, I shot at a doe, and she was thirty yards. She had no idea that I was there. Mm-hmm. She had her, had her head down, buried feeding broadside and like I don't know she could have been six or seven yards where she was standing (laughs) by the time the arrow got there you didn't think about leading her six yards (laughs) huh I let I let the arrow go and it was actually I shot a good arrow like I'm pretty sure it would have it was good uh, as soon as the arrow left my rest, I'm like, and she was already gone. You know, <laughs> I start giggling. I looked back at, at Drake who was with me taking pictures. I'm like, that was almost a waste of it. An... and I lost the arrow just to, just to add some salt in the wow. wound.
0: I, I have so much respect for your traditional game. I love, yeah. um, it, it's just a higher degree of difficulty and you yeah. have to have a different mindset that you're going to get closer. And so, um, those stocks have to be so thrilling when you get close and then the shots are tough to make too. Yeah, um,
2: especially on animals like axis deer, Ax- the axis deer were hard to get a compound drawn on them. Mm-hmm. You know, you, they're just like we were talking about. They, as soon as they see movement, they're gone, and they don't stop at forty yards like mule deer do. Uh, so with a recurve, you know, like that that buck that I was referencing that evening, um, I got well, I got twelve yards from two bucks that evening, and neither of them had a clue. And that the wind was up and everything, but I mean, just a bow tip comes above the grass, and they're gone so you almost, i mean and you can't, it's hard to do this with recur but you darn near have to draw below the grass and then come up and raise up and you, you're gonna have to snap shoot and your recur is what like 40 some inches it,
1: axle or a it's uh
2: it's uh 62 inches 62 okay 62 mm-hmm. yeah so you, it's like, not like you're hiding that at certain no point. <laughs> you can't hide it you can't hide it so yeah it, it's it's challenging um this year i shot a compound more than i shot a recurve okay. for the first time in my life um but man i, I actually what i found out is I, I really enjoy them both um but it's certainly it's certainly more of a frustrating game that that the trad the trad life's pretty mm-hmm. can be really <laughs> frustrating mm-hmm. so um i'm going to i'll probably um go heavier towards the trad side this year too than, mm-hmm. than the compound but i i, I enjoyed shooting the compound there's a it's lot of re- lot of redemption on the hill for me this year <laughs> good for you yeah mm-hmm. no i had i had no issue with it at all it was actually a lot of fun so
0: Yeah. Well, it's so neat. It's got to be, well, the more you put into something, you know, the more it means to you when you accomplish it. And so it's, it's got to be quite a feat with the traditional archery. I know I've been messing with mine and practicing with mine a bunch, but I still need to get that first kill under my belt, but I just need to commit to it and commit to that mindset of getting close and enjoying it. And I've hunted with my daughter a little bit and she has to get to 20 yards. And it's this, just this, change in, in how you're going to stalk and how you're going to approach and kind of what you can get away with and what you can't. But I, I really enjoyed it. And that's where I started to get the bug. of Gosh, I got to get a traditional bow and start practicing. Yeah. So I'm finally getting my confidence up, but um, I'm still 20 yards is, uh, is about max for me.
2: It's definitely a much easier transition going from traditional to compound mentally. But the, the problem from going a compound to traditional is you're, you're used to such a high degree of confidence mm-hmm. that just doesn't exist with i mean i don't know anybody i mean there might be somebody that exists that's that confident with a trad bow but really in reality you're just never gonna achieve 100 percent confidence it may be any range unless it's like 10 yards or 12 yards but even then i've i mean i whiffed on a tv show three years ago at 12 (laughs) yards with the camera right over my shoulder i mean it's a very humbling thing i bet um so if you can just get past the that fact that you know what i it, you get confident with your range you're very strict to your range and you know you can keep it within a certain um degree of uh of of the the kill zone or whatever um you just got to force yourself into it it's kind of like um you know a lot, a lot of people go north sheep hunting sheep hunting sheep hunting's is really expensive mm-hmm. and i did this too i like I, I i broke down my recurve and my arrows and put it in the suitcase but i also took a rifle and everybody's like if, if you take a rifle you're going to use it don't take a rifle and I'm like, oh, whatever. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick to the bow. And then if I, if I, if I can't kill one, I'm, I, you know, maybe the last day I'd like to come home with the sheep. And they were right. I, I never even took the bow out. <laughs> but it was stayed in my suitcase and I know with the rifle the whole time because, and if, if but if I would have forced myself to hunt with the bow that week, I know I would have got a shot. Your mindset mm-hmm. shifts because you shift goes, your mind. Yeah. It's just yep. you just go into that mode. It's like I have to get closer. I'm not getting a shot. Whereas the rifle, it's like we can stop right here because I'm 300 yards and I'm gonna kill that sheep now. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. so. Um... I think that's it's the same thing mm-hmm. um, well
0: and sheep hunting is so challenging and you have so much invested and you do want to be successful but I'm with you it's a mindset why so I started hunting with that bow and I haven't looked back because I'm in that bow hunters mindset so even during rifle season I'm hunting with my bow and I might not kill a, as big a buck but I'm going to get those bow stocks and I'm going to keep thinking like a bow hunter trying to get close improving my skills but it's all about just setting my mind to it that that's my weapon you know if you're yeah. the, the Indian that only has one bow you know or only has one weapon you know mm-hmm. as i focus and concentrate on that but yeah uh i'm super impressed by the traditional stuff that you do thanks man appreciate yeah. that yeah it's really cool yeah. well thanks a bunch yeah. of you guys for taking the time um Absolutely. this is a great podcast great information i'm really excited about this 2018 line and thanks for for showing it to me here before it's released yeah yeah well, thanks
1: for coming over again mm-hmm. and uh it's always good to chat with you oh it's always fun we, yeah. we need to circle back and just Kind of share some bear stories. Probably we should in June do this sometime. again
2: sometime on the mountain. I'd love to. Yeah, we need Go to plan home. on it. Yeah, yeah, I'd love
0: to. Yep. Let's do it. Yep. We'll work on it. So, thanks again, guys. Appreciate it. Cool. Thanks, absolutely, man. man. All right. Good going, you guys. Yeah. All right, guys. That's a wrap. Um, yeah. Really fun conversation there with um, John Barclow and with David Brinker again. I just really like those guys. Uh, they're they're fun to sit and chat with, and I like our conversations before and even after the the podcast they have so much insight into to western hunting and so much insight into the outdoor industry and the the outdoor market you know and and they're just I, I love how they just constantly evolving their gear and they they're they're just working to make the absolute best stuff they can and um, you know they're, they're made by hunters and so these guys are out in the field testing and retesting and taking notes and you know anything that they can find that can be improved or be done better they do it um, and I just I absolutely love their Sika gear and, uh, love the products that they're putting out. So thanks to those guys. And and thanks to Sitka for sponsoring the podcast. I mean, going out on a limb and sponsoring a, a new podcast, um, you know, that we're just getting our feet underneath us and, and finding our niche. It, it, it's just awesome. I, um, I can't tell them how much I appreciate the support and, uh, yeah, I just, um, I want to continue spreading the word about how good their gear is. And, and, um, it, like I say, it means the world to me when when people stand behind it and stand behind the podcast. So uh, thanks again to those guys. Again, over there at Eastman's, yeah, we're just uh, going to get together here this next week, record some podcasts, and uh, do a little business here and there. And so, yeah, it ought to be a fun trip. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, so we'll get those guys on the mic, working on some ideas now, and it and, uh, should be a fun week so look forward to some of those podcasts coming out I got some other good ones I've been working on and recording and working on recording and yeah we're just gonna continue to to take this podcast to the next level I'm gonna record another solo one today I think I'm gonna do our, our 100th episode and uh do kind of reflection back at the podcast. But yeah, I'm excited for that. And then I'm just excited for season. Man, oh man, I've got some great tags in my pocket, some great hunts planned with really good friends. And um, I'm just starting to dive into all the research and making my hunt plan and um, making sure I have all my ducks in a row. It's going to be here before we know it, guys. I mean. August 1st, I'm going to go on that caribou hunt again. I'm going to go with my Hawaiian buddies and then my really good buddy, Chase. And, uh, yeah, the days are clicking off. It's getting it's getting quicker and quicker. Like, what do I got? Like six weeks left? So, um, yeah, just absolutely wild. Uh, doing that and then just going to make sure my body is ready to peak. I mean, I'm really pushing hard on trail runs every single day and, and uh, putting on the miles. And um, I've cut a little weight. Uh, gosh, I've got... You know, not that I had much extra on me, but um, man, I am sure getting cut now. Like I, um, I'm just eating real healthy and running my miles and training real hard and really focused on peaking for season. So, um, yeah, yeah, super excited here. I uh, just can't wait. Can't wait to see what you guys turn up this year. And um, uh, I love recording some of these live podcasts. This one I did with the uh, Hawaii friends of mine this thing is just off the hook. It's, it's one of the funnest ones I've ever done. It was two hours of back and forth. And when you spend time in hunting camp with guys, like we had just spent seven, eight, nine days together. So you're cutting up back and forth and um you, you know you're trying to make each other laugh but you're also you you're going and hunting so hard and you're sharing these experiences with them and you build this bond that you that you can't build any other way you know and so the bond I have with these guys is so strong and then to sit down and do a podcast and towards the end we call each other out on losing stuff and oh my god it was just absolutely hilarious at one point my wife falls over the dog fence in the middle of the podcast <laughs> she was uh, trying to get some photos for me and and uh, tried to step over the the dog fence. They have a, a poodle dog for their daughter or whatever. And uh, yeah, she anyway, she stepped over it and tripped and then tried to catch herself and went over even further. And thank goodness she didn't hurt herself or something like that. But just hilarious outtakes like that during the podcast. It, it was an absolute one of a kind. And I, I can't wait to release it to you guys. And there's so much, so many good tidbits of information. You know, I found that in our podcast, like, our niche is, is next level hunting information. You know, that's what we can offer that, you know, that other guys can, but, um, you know, I just have so much experience on these public lands and, and, uh, this experience, it, it translates into, into solving the the puzzle out there. And it, it, it's a common thread with you guys. And when you're listening for information, those little tidbits of information, you know, you can learn so much from them and storing those in your memory bank or knowing what to look for and and knowing how other guys are successful, uh, it, it just helps immensely. And so, you know, I really feel like that's our niche. Like, I like to have good fun, I like to tell hunting stories, but but really, you know, that's that's where our niche is in the in the podcast world is next level information to try to make you guys better hunters out there and more successful. So that's just what I want to keep focusing on. You know, as far as our mission statement of the podcast. So um, yeah, with that. That's a wrap. Going to go on this trip with these guys next week. We're going to release this Sitka podcast to you guys. Um, got another solo one coming up for the 100th episode. Uh, that Hawaii one. It's a two-parter, two hours of just laughing at each other and making fun of each other, but with good tidbits of information, too, just because there's so much experience out there stalking and and uh, trying to execute your shots and, and picking up on those nuances as I'm doing it, and then to be able to have discussions with those guys that have some so much experience, it, it just made for a really good podcast. So that's coming up as well. Be on the lookout for that. And um, yeah, with that, I better get off here. Got to record another podcast and then go hit the trails. I'm gonna go try to climb some more elevation with my dog. My legs are really feeling strong. So. Yeah, we'll try to go do a long one today and a bunch of elevation and just day in, day out, running and hitting those trails and shooting my bow, just making sure my shooting is absolutely on point for for this upcoming season and and make sure that, you know, I'm in the best physical shape I can be in. So um, can't wait. Thanks as always, you guys, for the support. Uh, Yeah, let me me check off and then um, get some stuff done and I'll check in with you guys next week.